This is Live Well Talk on COVID-19. I'm Dr. Dustin Arnold, Chief Medical Officer at Yankee Point Health, St. Luke's Hospital. Uh, in today's podcast, we'll give an update on COVID-19 and reflect reflect on the past year and, and where we've uh, come from, as well as discuss uh, the influenza season. Um, in the hospital, we are seeing um, a continued, it's continued to be patients that are unvaccinated, uh, about 85 to 88% of the hospital COVID census is unvaccinated patients. Uh, and in the intensive care unit, um, less than 10% are, are vaccinated. So it'd be 90%, a little over 90% are unvaccinated. So, you know, what can I say about that? I can say that the vaccines uh, protect people from uh, death and disease meaning it keeps them out of the hospital. And if they do get admitted to the hospital with a breakthrough infection, subsequently, then they have less of a chance of ending up in the ICU. Link kind of remains in high transmission uh, with cases per 100,000. However, our positivity rate, uh, which to get to moderate transmission has to be less than 10%, and it was uh, a 9.4 this week. So that that is something to be optimistic about. We have seen influenza B and influenza A in the community. This week, two cases, influenza A, which just reinforces the need to get your influenza vaccination uh, and um, COVID booster if you're if you're in a, a category of patients that's eligible for such. It's been a dynamic week as far as medications coming forth. Uh, Merck has a oral pill and Pfizer has requested emergency use authorization. Um, for for a for a oral medication, and they'll meet at the end of the month. So I think by the end of the year, we'll have both the Merck product and the Pfizer product for outpatient pills uh, to prevent the replication of the virus and keep people from getting sick. And, and that's 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 good news. But let's reflect back over the past year, well, how far we've come. Um, Today in the hospital, I'll just give you the raw number. We have 17% of the hospital census, and we're full. 17% of the hospital census was is a COVID patient with uh, about 50% of them in the intensive care unit. One year ago today, which was our peak uh, of the, uh, the, the second wave or the wave that came in the fall into November, uh, and we had a total of 50%, 49% actually, 50% of the hospital census uh, was uh, COVID patients. Uh, so, that's that's roughly uh, 81 patients uh, that were COVID compared to today's, which is about 25. And the hospital is still busy. And as I reflect the past year back then, what did we have? We did not have monoclonal antibodies of any significance at that time. We did not have uh, the oral pills that are coming along. Uh, and it wasn't quite clear on um, what role the interleukin-6, uh, the uh, Actamra, uh, those kind of drugs, how would they would influence this or the Janus kinase inhibitors? So we were using those medications now, but at that time it was kind of questionable their efficacy. Um, and uh, so all we really had at that time was corticosteroids and remdesivir, uh, which we struggled to supply that at one point last year, where I reflecting back and looking, we had uh, a year ago today, we only had 66 doses of the remdesivir with uh, over 80 patients in the hospital. So that is that is impressive that uh, we had such a significant uh, amount of patients and we were, were able to arrange for them to receive the remdesivir. Learned a lot in the last year. 
uh, and I'm excited for the oral medications, uh, and I'll keep you updated on that as they come along. That's the end of the COVID-19 update, but stick around. We'll be right back with another episode of The Mailbag. Welcome back to The Mailbag. The Mailbag is a new segment on the podcast where I'll periodically answer questions submitted by listeners. Uh, today's questions uh, on The Mailbag segment with the update are COVID-19, but uh, it can be just general medical questions that we'll, we'll try to answer. Uh, the first question comes from Mary. What treatments are currently being used to treat COVID at St. Luke's? Well, I listed some of them in the update this week, but we have the uh, uh, corticosteroids that we use when the patients are in the hospital, in addition to that uh, oxygen, uh, and we've mastered uh, the ability to deliver high flow oxygen to patients uh, and avoid going on mechanical ventilation. Additionally, we have uh, the uh, monoclonal antibody, uh, which has been significantly, which has significantly influenced hospitalization rate. I think we spoke last time we've over 700 uh, infusions. This was in the early in the month of November when I counted them up and we had less than four people admitted to the hospital. So that's pretty impressive from a standpoint of uh, preventing hospitalizations. We also have two interleukin-6 uh, medications that we can use. One is Actemra and the other is uh, Illuminate, Illuminate, I think, Illuminant. I can't remember uh, exactly how to pronounce that one, but uh, both those are used when the patients require oxygen and have significant illness, and it blocks it blocks the 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 overwhelming immune response the patient is receiving with the uh, COVID infection. It blocks the uh, that and slows down the cytokine storm, is the medical term for that. Good question. Our next question is from Kristen. If I was vaccinated with a Pfizer in January and February and got COVID in August, do I need my booster? That depends. Um, if you are in the category where you may not have manifested a, a, a satisfactory immune response, meaning that you have a solid organ tumor, you have some sort of blood disorder, you're at risk to not have an adequate immune response, yes, you need a booster. If you're just part of the general population, probably not, uh, not at this time, and I, I, I would wait at least 90 days from your uh, infection in August. Uh, before getting the uh, booster, if if at all, if you're part of the healthy population, you wouldn't necessarily need the booster. Next question is from Maureen. In addition to testing prior to procedures, could you please describe the steps St. Luke's takes to prevent the spread of virus to healthy patients who are undergoing screening uh, procedures as outpatients? For example, colonoscopies, uh, uh, outpatient mammograms, et cetera. Um, first of all, we have universal masking. Uh, so our, our, our staff and physicians uh, are masked uh, to prevent uh, the transmission, for, prevent them from giving uh, an infection, whether it's COVID or influenza to other, other individuals. Additionally, uh, we have the vaccination uh, mandate or requirement. Uh, for both influenza and COVID-19. And I think we're in the 90%, almost 100%, 98%, 99% of the staff uh, vaccinated. Uh, so a small fragment of um, uh, staff either perhaps had a religious exemption or medical exemption uh, deferral because they're actively pregnant 
Um, but they too continue to use the universal precautions with uh, what's called droplet and contact precautions as, 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 as needed. The next question is from Diane. How long should I stay away from someone who had COVID? Uh, definitely 14 days, um, th then their COVID recovered, but th there's evidence that by day nine, by day 10, the person is no longer infectious. Uh, and even though they're still recovering from COVID, but if you want a solid uh, uh, timeline that's definitive, uh, that would be 14 days uh, avoiding uh, contact with COVID. And, and likewise, if you have COVID, you should not have contact with people uh, for uh, seven to 10 days, uh, preferably 14 after you've uh, had the illness. Our last question is from Jamie. Uh, I've had about five COVID tests and they've all been done differently. This concerns me of the accuracy of the test. One test went clear to the sinuses and the swab was twisted for five seconds. One was the same way, but both nares. The most recent one last week was a swab barely inserted in my nose and not turned back and forth at all. Could you possibly share what is the correct way to perform the test? The correct way to perform the test is to go deep uh, and uh, uh, twist it. Uh, I believe it was 15 seconds, but it, it may be less than that. Uh, obviously, I'm not collecting these tests on a regular basis. And to do both nares uh, and then process the sample from there. So it, it should go deep. And that was one of the concerns that we had when the pandemic started is I know we, we had one lady, she was admitted to the hospital. She had contact with the, the trip that went to Egypt, if you remember that from Iowa City, and uh, we treated her as COVID, but it came back negative twice. And I still think that was a false negative. And I think it was because we weren't used to sampling it. Uh, so sampling, it is, uh, the, it is a procedure and there is a technique and there is a little bit of skill to doing it. Uh, and uh, I think it just reflects that our laboratory personnel are really talented individuals uh, and that they, uh, they play an instrumental part in uh, our ability to care for people uh, and patients during the pandemic. That's all for the mailbag today. If you'd like to submit a question in the mailbag, go to unipoint.org backslash mailbag. I'll answer questions about COVID-19, the latest technologies and procedures, services provided by Unity Point Health Cedar Rapids and other medical topics as they present. Please note, however, the mailbag is not an alternative to a medical appointment or seeing your primary care clinician. Any questions about personal symptoms or conditions will be referred back to your primary care provider uh, or urgent care. And as always, if it's an emergency, uh, go to the nearest emergency room. If one is not near, then uh, dial 911. Once again, you can submit your questions to me at unipoint.org backslash mailbag. That's unipoint.org, common spelling mailbag, M-A-I-L-B-A-G. I look forward to hearing from you, our amazing listeners, and the intelligent questions that are provided. Thank you for listening to COVID-19 Update. For the latest COVID-19 vaccine information and more, visit unipoint.org. Thank you for listening to Live Well Talk On. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your family, friends, neighbors, strangers about our podcast. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, be well.